Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodie fans, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? How are you, foodies? We're in what day? Well, I don't know, days. Week three, or two and a half since, like, quarantining became quarantining. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to people. Some people are doing fine with it others aren't i think we just have to realize in the end you know as long as you're staying healthy this isn't that bad in you know in the long run plenty of people have been through way worse uh, experiences and so we just have to be smart I, i know smart people out there i know some stupid people out there unfortunately but we just have to you know practice uh, all that social distancing and just quarantining best we can you know go out to the supermarket be smart when you're there i know my local stop and shop has put up some you know plastic guards between the uh, customer and the cashier and tape marks to show you where to stand you know you just bring the stuff home you wipe it down you wash your hands and you just you know it's the the best we can do but uh just that social distancing you know there's all those what there's that I'm gotta look at that app right now. House party. I was playing some games on that with friends, and you get the video chat and everything. Been using Zoom for like my cousin's little cousin's birthday party, and had a nice little uh, four-way conversation between me, my girlfriend Brian Rodriguez, you know, uh, who was just on last week for Big Night. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and uh, him and his wife, and we just had a nice little, you know conversation and uh hanging it was like it was like hanging out now i don't want that to become the everyday i want the world to go back to the way it was but for now that's gonna have to do so uh i'll uh, keep doing that to have a little levity in my life uh before we get into the episode i just want to give a shout out to evan santiago of hybrid coffee hybrid coffee and kitchen evan will be on you know there will be an episode uh, a few weeks from now, maybe even like, like four episodes from now, but he is the owner of, like I said, Hybrid Coffee, Coffee and Kitchen, and 
he's doing something really fantastic. I know there's been other organizations involved, but he's who I know and who I was speaking with, so that's who I'm giving the shout out to. I know he was donating this smelled smelled fantastic this chicken soup to uh, local hospital Christ Hospital in Jersey City, and to local businesses. Citizens are coming together, doing their part, supporting one another, and that's great. That's something good that's coming from this and i think will make us a, you know stronger as uh, as people as you know a society in the end some i really trying to be an optimist and some good things will come from this so shout out to evan santiago good stuff i know the people also uh at griot cafe in jersey city were doing that and they're just all different businesses donating to different hospitals i think also the police force just you know the uh what are those, the, you know, the essential workers out there and that are putting their, their lives, you know, that at, uh, at risk. So thank you to the, those guys. Thank you to the essential workers, but enough of the heavy stuff. Let's get to the awesomeness. That is this episode. And I sit down with Jeremy Jacobowitz, brunch boys, you know, AKA brunch boys. That is his handle in all of his social media. I've been following him for a long time. I love his stuff. It was a blast to finally meet him, number one, and then talk to him. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know I can't speak for him, um, but I know I'm going a little stir-crazy in the sense of stuff I, I can post. You know, it's not I'm not out and about, obviously, as much and going to as many restaurants. And, you know, takeout only looks oh so good, you know, via photos and video, so... I, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's counting the days until we can, uh, all get back out there and be at the restaurants eating the food there. So here I go talking with Jeremy, AKA brunch boys. All right. Me with my professional, my legal pad, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would, but I can't write anymore. Cause I just, I mean, my handwriting was always so terrible, Yeah. but now that like, I don't write I only sign my name to anything I write. So anytime I try and write, like I just, I physically, I can't write anymore. It just like has evaporated from my muscle memory. It's I really write, bad. Look at how I hold the pen. That's how <laughs> you I hold, hold it. like a lefty. <laughs> like lefty people always hold pens weird. You oh know really? I mean? No, I, yeah. never, I haven't paid attention to that. I hold like, I remember being in like third grade uh-huh. and them get, giving me like, you know, those, remember that like a uh, thing that they would put at the end of like, it looked like an eraser. You could put it at the end of a pen or a pencil. And it was for you to like. Oh right, yeah, yeah, whole, uh, that's yeah. Why like I'm, chopsticks. I'm horrible with chopsticks. Are you, are you with I'm that? good with chopsticks, actually. Yeah, I'm not. I'm like that just, muscle memory I have. I use that every week. I, it's Friday night. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you know, yeah, exactly. Like I would, I would think. Uh, well, let's just let's just say. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, no, we, no. we went hot and heavy immediately. <laughs> yeah, we're just wildness. <laughs> test, test, test. For a second, it sounded like I was getting feedback. Do you have any tips when it comes to microphones? You're, you're, you're a production guy. I'm the worst at it. Pray. I pray <laughs> it works. It's really annoying. Yeah. I have... Um, so, obviously, my podcast setup is just this. That It's yeah. fine. Whatever. No, it's good. I, um, I, just, I just bought this, the H6 Zoom. This episode is brought to you by Zoom. Uh, <laughs> uh, but for my shoot, it's been annoying because, like, wireless audio is so expensive. So, I thought I found a good solution with the Rode Wireless Go. Yeah. It's like 250 bucks or something. It just... It's so shitty i think especially it's a new york city problem where it's just interference everywhere so oh, i could only yeah. they they say you have like 70 meters i'm like fuck that it's not only 70 meters but the transmitter the transistors have to be 
directly in front of each other. So like if I have it even clipped to my belt, which would be a normal wireless audio, sure, unit, yeah. it, it doesn't work. And I don't have anyone <laughs> listening to audio. So I really like can't take a chance and it's not working. So yeah. it's it's all it's all annoying. Yeah, I really hope uh, I was just in New Orleans. I'm trying to expand. Number one, it's just it's my favorite like food city. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite cities. It's starting to feel like a home away from home. And I was down there and I recorded five episodes, which uh, at this point they will have been released. So I hope you guys enjoyed those episodes. And I hope there weren't any technical difficulties because at this point, I uh, while I'm recording this, I haven't started editing them yet. Right. And yeah. I was listening to them while recording, but this is a new piece of device that those... I probably should have, like... I mean, I tested it. <laughs> right, but it's like... But a, I probably should have done, like, a whole I episode know. beforehand. But I, I was did. just really excited to use this small device versus my laptop and, like, these Logitech headsets I use. Right. Use, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just... I, I fucked up on audio on a shoot two weeks ago. I'm actually editing right now, and it's so... I was just able to fix it just enough. It's fine. My bigger issue is I don't know what I did that fucked it up. Like, yeah. it's usable. It's just annoying. So it's, at the end of the day, it's okay. But I, like, I can't troubleshoot what's wrong because I haven't been able to replicate that same issue again. So uh, I'm just yeah. like, That's the okay, worst. I guess I'll just move forward and never know what I did. That's the worst <laughs> when you're trying to troubleshoot and it's not, re- you know, it's right. not doing that. I think it's just a loose wire, which is the worst thing because, yeah. like, I can't really fix that. But I guess, I guess just triple check every single connection. Right now, uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, please. T- t- no, 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 no. This is this is. Uh, we we're just jumping in. We we're talking. To- I have a lot of things I want to uh, talk with you about, and so please give your name. Tell tell us about who you are, what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jeremy Jacobowitz. Uh, online, I'm better known uh, as Brunch Boys. Um, it's always confusing what to actually describe what it is but it's it's my adventures in food is sort of the fun way so it's it's video focus it's instagram first um content goes everywhere youtube tiktok podcast um i don't know everywhere else it could possibly go i guess but i used to be a food tv producer and then i've been doing this for um four and a half years full time but i've had it for five and a half years so six years almost that's i mean that's just alone right there a lot of forms of media that you're putting out there. Uh-huh. I just saw you. I, I love you're you're very candid in your videos, which I really admire. And they're not just. I mean, you'll post videos not just about food, right? And just more of like what, even like where you are in your life and what it's almost like. What I mean, because you like you said, you've been doing this for four and a half years now, full time. Yep. Left the world of production. I mean, you're in the world of production now, but different like, type of production. different type yeah. of production. Um, uh, but you know that, like, what what it kind of what toll it takes on you, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, like recently, I, I I wrote down. I mean, between you did a you know a video talking about losing followers, uh-huh. turning thirty two, and yep. you know not not caring. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, just you know, uh, what else? I mean, just misconceptions of like clients turning down seventy thousand dollars, and yeah, and you know, like I mean, it says it in you know, like, I, mean, I know you know, but I'm telling if you guys have don't follow uh, Brunch Boys in the like the title or you know on the, the screen on the, yeah in the bio yeah. and saying you know like I turned down $70,000 and right away you're like this isn't me bragging you right know, yeah because like, I mean I mean, like, didn't, I didn't want it to seem like oh look how much money I make fuck you guys which yeah. I knew it could obviously sound like that so like the first the, the next sentence out of my mouth was let me explain to you why I'm saying this not it's not it's not a humble brag yeah it's just yeah. like a realization of I don't think people understand I think people think it's very easy that people throw money at me and then I put something up and it's so much more complicated than that and when people get and I understand the frustration people have with ads I get it because I see it 
I don't even I don't like calling them ads. I like calling it sponsor content because I think it's the separation of what I do and why what like the influence why the influencer world works. But I think a lot of it is like oh well just taking the money from them and running. It's like no like you guys can't imagine how much money I turned down. I wish I didn't have I wish I didn't have that thought in my brain that I thought about. I wish I could just be like sure give me all the money who cares. Mm-hmm. But I think like the value of what I do is far greater than any dollar value someone could give me. And I guess at some point I, have a, I will sell it at some point. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, I think, I think it, there's a lot of thought that goes into every single thing I post, whether it's paid for or not. And I think like just opening up that conversation is really helpful with your followers. Yeah. Well, I mean, what go for you, what goes into choosing, uh, let's just, we'll call them clients. I mean, or, or even the content, yeah, like, uh, what goes into choosing that and saying like, this is for me, like in, obviously you're, you're endorsing, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I am very careful with my words a lot of times, too. Like, a lot of times I'll set up things like um, taste tests, like when, when it's a food thing. Like, the easiest thing for me to do is just do a taste test. And now I'm not, it's obviously, I can't be critical of it because they're paying for me, but I'm just describing to you what this thing tastes like. And maybe I'll pick my favorite, maybe like I did one with um, Tyson uh, air fried chicken. They had like all these different flavors. I'm like, mm-hmm. great, send me all the varieties. Let me do a taste test. Let me describe these things. And, and, and that's it. I'm not going to trash him. But, I don't tra- but my page isn't about trashing anything. When I go to restaurants, I'm not, I'm not a critique. I'm not a critic. Yeah. I, my job is to highlight things. So whether it's a brand partnership or me just going to a restaurant, which isn't paid, I'm never there to say what's bad. I'm only there to highlight what's good. And if people ask me, like, well, what if it's bad? I'm like, well, it doesn't go on the page. I don't talk. <laughs> like, if it's not good, yeah, then yeah. I don't post about it. I, especially with restaurants, I feel like they are mom and pop or even the sort of bigger ones are still sort of mom and pop and there's such a razor thin margin of like making money and what i like about what i do is supporting that and not taking away so if this place i don't think is good then i had 99 percent of the time i just don't even go because i have limitless options of what to feature so i just say no immediately mm-hmm. and in the times i go i also think there's a big difference between food being bad and me not liking something i think are very very different and I've been in the food industry for a decade for, on the production side of it from food TV. I've seen and tasted bad food. I don't shoot bad food. Do I go to some place, maybe try out a couple of dishes, maybe one isn't my favorite? Sure, but that's all me. Maybe like it was a little unsalted. Okay, but the next person ate that could be like, I love this because it's not so salty. Yeah, it's, all, it's subjective. Right, it's very subjective. So I think like there's a huge, a huge separation in that. So I try and distinguish like, I'll just, okay, if I didn't like that one particular dish, I don't know how like the dish I did because I know they're not serving bad food. It just wasn't my favorite. Mm. Um, but with brand stuff specifically, I think it's, and with restaurants, but generally it's, okay, what do they want me to talk about? Do I connect with this? Because if I don't connect with this, I if I have nothing to say about it, how am I going to make a video out of it? Um, are my, is my audience going to care about this? I can't please everybody. But for the most part, when brands come to me, they come to me because... They know I have the audience that they're seeking out. So normally yeah, yeah. it's stuff that is for them. It's only it's only going to work because they know what my demographics are. Um, and then it's like, okay, can I actually make a cool video out of this? So great. What what are you trying to put out there? Um, what's your key messaging? Let me think about how I could visualize that. And here's my idea for what I can do. Because sometimes they don't want that. And I'm like, well, this is what's going to make a good video. I'm not going to just take your money and put up something that's going to perform poorly. And sometimes, it, you know, it's a guessing game on Instagram too sometimes, but I try. And then it's money, you know, like I was, people always ask me like on the brand side, sorry, they're like, um, well, how much do you charge? I'm like, it, it's honestly different because it depends on who's asking. If you are a gigantic publicly traded company 
with locations all over the world. Yeah, exactly. You you are going to have to pay me more and then a smaller brand that might not have the budget, but you know what? I think your product is really cool and I want to work with you. I always say when I'm to, I don't I have someone in house that sort of helps me, but generally when I talk to people, I always say like there's a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. It's my line. It, tell me what your budget is and then there's a way to make it work. If you're a gigantic company and you're offering me pennies, well, that ain't gonna work. Yeah. If you're a smaller company and this is what you have, okay, great. Like let's invest together. Let's find a cool way to work together. Maybe it's just let's start smaller. If you could only afford stories, well, let's do some stories and see how that goes. And maybe you see the success in that. Next time you come around, you have a bigger budget. And great, let, let's do that. I think so. There's there's a lot of factors that go into it at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I work in video production, and you know I've been a freelancer for. Well, my, my whole career, in the beginning, I was working on a lot of reality shows. Yeah. And you know, I mean, those are, the, they run for at least, you're working on those for like at least three months. Right. Mm-hmm. But now I'm pretty much doing, like my longest gigs are a week long. Uh-huh. I hop on one. So I'm really, you know, like day to day. And I also, I mean, sometimes I'm just a gun for hire as far as being a camera operator. Or, you know, I'm setting up shoots myself. And so I'm, did you know, set up one recently. And I, I get a lot of nonprofit organizations. And I have to say to them, like, what, like what's your budget and they're like well and they seem like a little cautious like i'm gonna you know put it to whatever their maximum I'm like no i just kind of need to know right of course because I, i'm not i'm not trying to screw you guys over i know <laughs> right. you're a non-profit but i also yeah. kind of have to judge like what it will be like i kind of have set amounts like if it's a non-profit or just a smaller thing i have certain operators that i know i'll use that won't go Beneath, right, of you know, a certain price and stuff and like also that. yeah i mean not to go off a little right here but i i get that a lot when there are people brands will come to me and they've partnered with some organization that's a charity or something and they'll say and i'll say what's your budget and they'll be like well we we're a nonprofit." i'm like uh okay but like you are taking a salary from this company yeah. so you aren't <laughs> you aren't all high and mighty and not and doing work for free why do you expect me to do work for free and again the levels i'm like a lot of people want to do it i'm always just like when it's a charity or something i believe in at all i'm like send me your stuff i'll put on stories it, it doesn't matter but when you want me to literally produce a video for you yeah yeah pay me <laughs> again like i don't want to mean but it's just like that's so much time away and work and you guys don't understand what that takes and as much as and as much as i appreciate what you guys do for this world whatever your thing is then okay you guys could get something for free whatever i appreciate that but like you emailing me you are on salary at this nonprofit, yeah making you, money yeah this is your you're living. not doing pro yeah. bono work. why do i have to do pro bono work yeah exactly <laughs> let's jump back to the beginning you are a native New Yorker. Uh-huh. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, um, in Park Slope, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Westchester. I grew up in Irvington. Okay. What were we? What, what were we eating when we were younger? Who's cooking? Uh, I ate everything. The I always give the example of my mom tells story. I was I was very little. Like the first solid food I ever ate was Chinese food. <laughs> okay. I think it was like mushu pork or something. And then like when mine I was, was McDonald's French fries. <laughs> That's, that just shows the different people that we are. <laughs> um, but then I like even when I was little, like a, a very, very we moved to out of Brooklyn when I was six, so I have like limited memories of Brooklyn. But one memory I have was like when my mom would like take me to a special meal. It was the Thai restaurants. Like what mm-hmm. four year old wants to go eat Thai food? Like that was my background. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then cooking very young too. I always say like both my parents worked a lot, so like I would say like I would be hungry. So like I taught myself to cook because oh, awesome. I was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was really everything. I always ate everything. I was never afraid of everything. We had a rule like. Um, my mom would always say, you have to try everything. If you don't like it, you could just spit it out. Who cares? Yeah. And I never spit anything out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm that way with like my, like some certain friends of mine still like now as well that don't, they don't have that great of a 
like a better you know palate i'm just like just try something right. if you don't like it you can spit it out right, like what's the worst it'll be done in a second right like, nothing's nothing's gonna kill you yeah exactly <laughs> or, or even make you just, sick yeah well, you know, some people have sensitive stomachs, I guess, but generally, but generally it's fine. yeah. If you know you have a sensitive stomach, then you know to stay away from certain food. But yeah, exactly. Uh, when did I mean? When did you decide? Were you always creative? Did you what, did you have a couple of different ideas? Is what you wanted to go into, or is production? When did that become? No, not at all. It all sort of just happened. I went to NYU for sports management. Okay. Um, and ended up with a degree in marketing, pretty much centered on sports, but a marketing degree. Um, but while I was in, while I was at, I went to, went to, went to NYU, I forget if I said that, but um, <laughs> I was interning with some just random local sports teams, like lacrosse teams that the leagues don't even exist anymore. But um, then I got an internship with SNY, which is the Mets Network. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I've always loved TV. I obviously love sports. I'm studying sports management. Maybe this is a good road to go down. So and then I interned at SNY for over a year. Uh, in the newsroom and also like in corporate. My idea was always to go to corporate. I was never, never in any intention to be on the ground and produce anything. But those are opportunities I kept getting. Uh, I got hired to be a field producer at WCBS in sports while I was still in school. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, this is a job. Yeah. And I seem to be okay at this. Maybe this is something to pursue. Um, got laid off before graduating, <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, but then went to WWE and I was there for a year. So at that point, I'd been in sports TV for three or four years, five years, geez, I forgot. Started when I was 19. Um, and I was like, okay, well, maybe there's another place in TV for me, because this is already a decade ago. So there weren't all these online outlets. There weren't even all these digital cable networks. It was sort of just like the couple places I had already worked and been laid off by. I didn't want to go back to local news. And ESPN, I didn't want to work at ESPN. I didn't want to be in Bristol. The idea of like working for Disney, I like interviewed there a few times. It just like didn't wasn't the right fit. Um, so I was like, well, okay, let me find another place in TV that makes sense. And in New York, it's reality TV, and the split in reality is reality, like Housewives or uh, or food, pretty much. Yeah, um, yeah, competition shows. Right, what. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I just went back to being a PA um, and ended up on a food show, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Ended up meeting Bobby Flay, and he hired me to be his talent PA. So oh, at that's, that point, yeah, that's, that's big. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, it's Bobby Flay. It's Bob, A, it's Bobby Flay. And I was like, oh, you mean like I get to be PA and I don't have to drive trucks and take out the garbage? Yeah, <laughs> I'll be Bobby's PA. That was my, my <laughs> first my first PA job like in reality TV was season eight, all-star season of Top Chef. Okay. And all of the, the foodies, I mean, I apologize, I repeat stories, but I'll, I'll share this tidbit. Like it was over in... Uh, Oh God! What neighborhood? Right, right over here in Brooklyn and um, Bushwick, and the stage where they did like the you know the first like cooking thing, and then where they did elimination. Uh-huh. On camera, you can see like the the dish, you know, the sinks and all the dish stations. After they did the competition that was out, you know, out in whatever restaurant yeah. or whatever, we'd come back and they would do elimination right away. Well, all of those plates, all those pots that they used on location are just in these bins drying and getting all. And then after the elimination, which took, you know, two, three, sometimes four hours, Uh then the PAs had to clean them. I I went down to the Bahamas for the finale and we were at the uh, Atlantis Resort and they had like the conveyor belt steam cleaning thing. It was like the greatest thing. We didn't have to worry about cleaning dishes anymore. Yep. I I mean, I remember like the first PA job too. They're like you drive a truck and I was like yeah oh, oh sure yeah of course like I was, it was shocking people say no I'm like 
I don't just say yes. We'll fucking figure it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that yeah, was before. I, now I can drive trucks all over New York City. It's a high. It's a great skill to have. Yeah, I think we're the same age, thirty-two. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. At the time, they were like, "Can you drive a refrigerator truck?" Yeah, and I'm just like, "Yeah, okay." okay. <laughs> sure. And whatever. this is before like I didn't have. I got my first smartphone after like that job or whatever oh, and they and they gave me have, yeah and they get you know they would just print you out oh god what was that map quest uh-huh. and they but like it didn't have the trucking route so then you had to pay no att- well the worst well no i i had, I had the opposite problem where i did have a smartphone but the you couldn't punch in truck routes on the smartphone yeah, I, so I you would have they to still give you that option so you have they? to print yeah. out yeah like truck directions because especially in the city like you could get fucked oh well <laughs> one time i was working for this show uh work of art it was like bravo's idea i think it was only two or three seasons i was working on the second season it was like oh well you know top chef is a great program where you have people competing and cooking and judges let's do that with art like food's already subjective. Art is way more subjective. So like, how do you judge, you know, if you have a guy that's really good at sculpting, but then everyone's doing like a paper mache challenge or something. But I remember I was delivering the pieces of art up to Connecticut and it was like the last day we were like out of the production office, wrapping everything up. And they just gave me like, they wrote it down, like not even the map code, they just wrote down what route. And I'm like looking at it and driving up, no GPS, just like, you know, old fashioned looking at the exits. And then I'm, I'm driving and I see like this bridge. I'm just like, well that, uh, you know, I'm just like, everything's happening so fast. And I thought it said like 14 feet to whatever. Uh, and then all of a sudden I'm getting like underneath. I'm like, that looks pretty, oh God. And I'm going underneath. It was a bridge for like a, tr- for a train. And also it just happened that like the, the, like transit, pl- the tr- like police were right there. Like for like, you know, Looking the speeders. Or yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they were just like, you didn't see? And it was one of those signs that was saying it goes from a certain amount of feet to less feet. I thought it was right, saying it's feet like where you inches. are on the road. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Oof. I was just like, um, so they had, to, so like a mechanic had to come lower the tires to get oh, out. Oh, God. Like it was stuck on like the rivets inside. Oh, God. That, that, like I'm shaking. My core sh- shook from that. Yeah. My favorite I did one time was we did all the runs to pick up all the gear, or whatever, for the shoot the day before. And then we left it in the parking lot or had the other PA dropping off at the parking lot the night before and I was going to pick up the next morning for that shoot. I didn't have the ticket, but I had him just like send me a photo of it or something. But I remember like, I, I was just like, you know, you're always in a rush. So I run into this parking lot the next morning. Like, I don't even have a ticket, but I was like, yeah, that's the truck out there. I'll just take it. It's fine. Like, you're confident. We'll let you do yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hop in, I just fucking hop in the truck, drive away. And I'm literally around the corner. And for I just had something come over me because I was in that truck the day before and something came over me and I'm like this doesn't feel like the truck I don't know what it was <laughs> and I'm like something feels off so I pulled off and it opened up the, the back and I was like oh fuck I pulled the wrong truck <laughs> so I go back in the parking lot because they would have been just as fuck I mean first of all our whole, if I had showed up to shoot the shoot with the wrong truck like our day would have been fucked but came back, I went back to the parking lot and like Obviously, like they made a huge mistake. They shouldn't just let someone take a truck. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I looked at them. I was like, I took the wrong truck. This never happens. I'm taking that one. Let's never speak of this again. Yeah, and they were exactly. like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone involved would have been definitely screwed. <laughs> so, you, I mean, so you start working with Bobby Flay. What's that like? I mean, you're traveling around the country doing Yeah, yeah. he did a lot of travel shows at the time. So I would travel with him. Yeah. It was the greatest job ever. I mean, I was just being paid to just be his friend pretty much you know, awesome. just like drive yeah. around make sure he's fed keep him distracted <laughs> <laughs> i mean like so yeah i mean more like a, i mean a 
personal assistant than even yeah the like I always said the example like, yeah. of like he had his he had his real um, assistants uh -huh. like on the, they weren't on the road with us oh okay so like I would be on the road coordinating stuff with them yeah um, you were that, specifically for the shows, the show, yeah, for exactly. the shows, and they were his day-to-day like day and like his TV appearances and all. Like, yeah, like uh, like they were like they like worked in his office. Yeah. So all that stuff they would run through him. But if I was on the road, like stuff would like be coordinated through me. But gotcha. I just you know take care of the road stuff. You still talking with him? You still catching uh -huh. up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's yep, cool. Yep, yep. Still the best. Um, and then, I mean, what, I, so four and a half years ago, that's what you were doing up until then? Like, I mean... It, yeah, well, then I started producing. So I was pr okay. producing, I was with Bobby off and on, because, like, he wasn't, he didn't tape shows every second. So yeah. I had, like, PA and little things between his gigs, but just trying to, like, set my schedule for him. Um, but then started producing. So I was producing food competition, uh, food travel, and cooking shows, and tried to mostly stay in the food realm, just because it was fun. The other stuff, I worked on a few science shows that were fun. But for the most part, I'm like, that's not interesting to me. And I certainly yeah. didn't want to do, like, docu-stuff. So I was like, I'll just stick to food as much as I can. And then you just went, no more? Like, I want to go out on my... Like, no, what, not really. What, what was the aha? Did you have, like, one moment or was it a slow... No, it just sort of happened. So basically it happens. I started Brunch Boys. I was always freelance. Same. And gig to gig. Yeah. And, like, I would have time between gigs sometimes. And I was just bored. And six years ago, I was like, oh, maybe I'll make some brunch videos. That'd be sort of fun. Give me something to do. There was no... There was Instagram, but like there's no influencers and none of that stuff. Like none of that world existed. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I'll start this Instagram account. I picked this name. All right, sure. But because I was on the road, after I went back to work, pretty much forgot, made a few videos, forgot about. Um, but because I was on the road uh, for food, a lot of food travel shows, I'm just organically being in restaurants every day all over the, the country. Um, so I just post the photos I took on my Brunch Boys account because I was like, oh, I have these food photos and yeah. I have this weird food accounts. Yeah, I it's a good, good way. You had the content. Like right. This, I, you know. Before, like, there were restaurants copying so easy, or it's easier to get content. I yeah, just sure, had yeah. it. So the account started to grow and grow and grow. But so, like, I didn't think anything of it because, I don't know, why, like, there was no incentive to grow. Who cares? It's cool, I guess, to see followers. But, like, you, there was no way to monetize it. There's no way to get anything. I couldn't even imagine any of that because mm -hmm. that world didn't exist. Um, yeah, and was when did when did stories come into play? Oh, I mean, this is already two to three years. This two at least two years before stories. Yeah, yeah. So this is like there was nothing. There was there weren't even there wasn't even a video on Instagram. It was fifteen seconds the most video you could post on the feed. Yeah, I mean, I remember I, I had George Motes on, you know, America's burger uh, expert, and he was talking like, yeah, like I remember when it was, you know, Instagram was for photographers. Like, if uh, it was, you know, it was just, and then it just that ripple effect from mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Um, but it was on a bunch of food travel shows and I just burnt out. I wanted to be home and they had this weird Instagram account that people started emailing me to do stuff. And when mm -hmm. you're on TV, you can't do anything. Like you're working every second, even when you're home. Um, so I was, re I was just really burnt out and every job, once it's on your resume, like a traveling producer, like those are the gigs you get. Cause there are very few producers as much as like, that's the dream. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do. Like it's easier for me. It was mentally and physically hard for me, but at least like I didn't have responsibilities at home. Like I didn't have kids or girlfriend or anything where like, even if you can't handle it at some point, you're like, well, I have a kid, I have to be home. So my, for me, like those are the only job opportunities I've started getting. And for the first time in ever, I started turning down jobs. I was like, I just have to be home. Like I can't go back on the road right now. Yeah, the road was just taking a toll. Yeah, so I was just like, okay, well, if I'm gonna start saying no to jobs, I better like do something with my time. So I started to, for the first time in a year and a half of having Brunch Boys, I was like, well, let me focus on this. Yeah. Um, and I started focusing on it and the account just exploded. Um, and then that was right around the time people started making money and people were like, you could, you're really close. Just if you stick it out, you can make money. And until the thought was like, oh, cool. Like make a little money, take a gig, have something to fall back on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. 
pretty much immediately I started making more money than I did in TV. Wow. Which wasn't hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was preface. It was like, I wasn't like making a shit ton of money immediately. It was just more than I made in TV. Yeah, I mean, you know, there is, a, I mean, a lot of money in the world of production, but in the end, like, I don't think people realize when it comes to that, then you're paying into your own insurance. Mm. And, and it's like, just not every week also. If I, made, yeah. if I made my rate every single day of the year, I would be fine. It's yes, like, exactly. you, don't, you don't work every day of the year. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just not the way it works. Even when it comes to union gigs, the commercials pay the most, right. then movies, then television, because the way they look at it is TV takes the longest, then movies, right. then commercials. Being, yep. So they're like, if you're doing just commercials, we got to compensate you a bit more issue, because you're, like, yeah. you're going, you know, you're looking for work, even though it's union work, and they'll tell you about the next gig maybe. Of course, yeah. But like, but for, so freelancing, you don't even have like, I mean, were you just... Did, when it came to that, like once you were working with Bobby Flay, like was it just kind of word of mouth from there, or were you like? Yeah, it was always word of mouth. Yeah. I always say like I got more jobs in TV because people like drinking tequila with me than like. There you go. <laughs> it would be like they'd be you know looking hot, especially for the road. It's like you really have to consider that when, especially when I started producing the road. Like you have to think about that of like, okay, there's a lot of people that could produce this scene, but we have to be stuck with this person yeah, for yeah, yeah. three to five months. If I can't stand them, I don't care how good of a producer they are. I'd rather take someone that's a little less like good at their job, yeah. but like I could stand them. It's like being in a band or being a comedian, being like, "Who's going to open for me?" You, know, mm, you right. just want you want to be working with these. You're going to be working with these people, so yeah, you got to get them right. And then like you yeah. want to like commiserate together. So yeah. like if that person can't drink with you, what it's like? <laughs> what do you do with them? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I mean, you just start seeing this growth. Was there any kind of, you know, I've talked with other, you know, I mean, you know, people that have Instagram accounts and, you know, I'll do, I'll do air quotes, but like influencers, what moments did you see or did you have any strategy towards posting? Like, you know, like even time of day or how much you put out there? Yeah, I think, I think I've always, I think a lot of my growth has happened for a lot of reasons. I think from the beginning, it was, it was always like, how do I stand out? Okay. And that's always what I thought about. Focusing at brunch was the first thing I did to try and stand out. Yeah, what was the decision behind, like, I mean, br- I mean brunch boys? Yeah, I mean, it was the thought of when I was, because the original idea was for it to be just like weird food travel show. It was like, okay, well, I'm not the best on-camera person, so I don't have that advantage. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be able to put together a video that's better than someone else. I don't have that advantage. What advantages can I have? Oh, nobody does anything of brunch. I love brunch. And I know in traditional media, they wouldn't touch brunch because I pitched it all the time. And the TV networks told me that their audience didn't know what brunch was because it's too New York or LA. Ah, okay. Food network's audience is middle America. Yeah. They don't know what brunch is. I think they do. I disagreed. But, I, yeah. you know, whatever. They had, they had their idea of what their audience was. And they said, if it's too New York or LA, they wouldn't like it. Um, so it's like, okay, well, there's an opportunity here to be distinct. And if I'm not going to be the best at all these other things, at least I could be the only brunch thing yeah. and stands out that way. And it's not bad for, I mean, at least when it comes to, you know, Instagram account, if you have LA and New York, that's a pretty big fool. Well, right? My whole thing with it too is like, this is my side project for me. Like it wasn't even, this was made for like what I want to do and like the people I know. Yeah. There's no thought to expand. So yeah, like my friends are in New York or LA. And if I could just make myself my friends cool content, that was the whole point of it. You really care about anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> what is brunch to you? Like, is there like, do you have kind of like a philosophy? Like it's a time of day. Is there alcohol involved? You know, I feel like certain people yeah. are pretty loose with the term brunch. Now. It's pretty loose now. I mean, to me, it's just more like, I, I, I mean, like it's, whatever you want to call it. But it's just like, you know, it's a, it's a nice feeling. I think like you have good thoughts about brunch because it's usually, it, especially like as a New Yorker, like 
it's the one meal a week that's like long and slow and you're with your friends yeah. and maybe you're drinking and it's good food where every other meal is like super rushed like those weekend brunches like my brunches last for hours because we're just like hanging out I think like that's the way most people approach it so it's like a it's it has a good connotation yeah it has that like food friend powwow kind of right yeah thing. exactly exactly <laughs> do you have a favorite brunch like is there like a, a go-to or are you like an eggs bendit guy or <laughs> uh depends on where i'm going I, mean, I sort of like the idea of like non-traditional brunches more than traditional brunches but mm. i will say like one thing I, I i'd like to try uh I, I love avocado toast um and i think it's like such a good judge way to like judge a restaurant because i think it's something that you think like it's super simple it's literally just bread and avocado pretty much but like a restaurant that takes the time to make something so simple, so delicious, I think speaks to then everything else they do. So if they took the time to source the best bread, the best avocado, the best olive oil, salt it perfectly, maybe a little of acidity, maybe a little bit of heat, like taking the time to truly perfect what could just be a throwaway, super simple dish, I think speaks to everything else in many. So I, I, I like trying that on, at places. When it comes to posting, do you, I mean, do you have any tips i'm asking for me uh but you know like just as far as again like the the time of day i mean uh, i mean you you put you post a lot you've got a lot of content Uh i mean you do what like five videos a week you know uh cut down a little bit yeah four to five videos including now well including youtube tiktok and instagram now i'm producing a dozen videos a week. I have Obviously, no, TikTok I, is easier to produce, but more annoying in some ways. I, I really, I know the name, but I have no idea what TikTok is. So I, mean, I love even like, didn't you, you had that video oh, saying like, I it just went make on you it. feel old and right? I, <laughs> I had a fucking TED talk about uh, TikTok because I get obsessed with things uh-huh. and thinking about things and on the creative side and on the um, analytic side, I guess, of it. So obviously it's very trendy to talk about TikTok and I was just like, I just want to understand this because I think most people's perception of TikTok, especially when you're 32, is you, this is this is all you see. You go into Instagram, you see your friends, who's a little younger than you, 27 or something, post a story being like, I'm on TikTok now, here's me dancing, and it's like some weird video of them dancing. You're thinking, okay, like TikTok seems stupid. Kids are just like dancing, like that seems weird. Yeah. And the thing that people are, this, it took me a while to dig into and figure out because I still, I was like, that can't just be what this is. Let me figure out what this is. What TikTok is, is it's the most viral platform, social platform there is. So the TikTok influence, this gigantic one, sort of got big by just being really creative and coming up with fun, dancey things. So I think like when people log on, they sort of see that first and they think like, oh, it's a dancing app. I will dance. But you know what? Like, that's not what TikTok is about. TikTok is about like <laughs> taking what's viral and putting it in your own voice and just making a dance video because someone else isn't isn't taking advantage of it. So I think it's really cool where it's certainly a young person's app, but like you go on there and the people crushing TikTok are 17 years old because that's the audience and they could obviously speak to their own age better than sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But what you see is it's a huge place for huge growth right now. It's it's all it's videos that are basically if you have no idea what TikTok is. It's not a social platform. Videos are like uh, 15 seconds to a minute long. They're super, super fast. They're super in your face. There's a lot of music you do. There's a lot of effects you could do. It's sort of it's like a, a long form stories, but even deeper. And kids really took advantage and are super, super creative. Like the, the things I see on TikTok are crazy creative, which really inspired me to be like, okay, well, how could I, now that I know it's not a dancing app, <laughs> how do I take this and my voice, my content and turn that into TikTok stuff? And I've been a couple super viral videos there. 
the growth is slowly coming, coming, coming. I'm like, okay, it's just, it's just fun. It's a creative challenge for me. Yeah. Something else like sink my teeth into. It's annoying that I have to put out totally separate videos. Yeah, because the thing is like, I could adapt some of my Instagram videos to TikTok, but for the most part, that's not what people are looking for. People like all my, my YouTube and Instagram content is very similar because it's all the same stuff I shot, mm -hmm. edited just a little tiny differently and usually a little shorter for Instagram or IGT IGTV is mostly what I post to, but still I want it to be shorter. Like. YouTube's algorithm is set up for you to post videos longer than 10 minutes. You do 10 minutes, you get two ad breaks. You, people want longer, they want to have huge takeaways in YouTube videos. Even when I, I love watching YouTube all day. If I come across a video that's interesting to me, like topic seems interesting, sure. but I see that it's three minutes long, I'm like, I'm probably not gonna learn anything from this next one. I'll find the next video about this that's 10, 15 minutes long. So on YouTube, you're rewarded for doing longer, longer videos. Or Instagram, even though on IGTV you could post up to an hour, from my data and from what Instagram tells me, you shouldn't post an IGTV that's over five minutes because nobody's watching longer than five minutes. Yeah, like in the end, I mean, yeah, I mean YouTube obviously you can watch on your phone as well, but I feel like YouTube maybe translates a bit more to like when you're at your desktop or maybe your laptop. Yeah, I think it's just I think just what people expect. People want to go on Instagram and scroll quickly. Yeah. And on YouTube, they're really there to like, they're going to watch content. I think it's, yeah. just, it's changing the way they view the platform a little bit on, on Instagram, which is my goal with IGTV because I love IGTV. I think it's super, super exciting. And I've been working with Instagram mm -hmm. to enhance it for everybody because I think like that's just the kind of content I want to do. I like that much more than the one minute videos on TikTok. As much as I could sort of have fun with weird videos on TikTok, I like telling stories. Yeah. And like the one minute feed videos were really restricting on what kind of stories I can tell, which is why the food content on Instagram sort of dove into, I always give like the, the example of like the BuzzFeed Tasty videos. It was all just like hands and quick things and motions because you had one minute and who cares? Where like quickly people turned on that because they're like, well, there's nothing deeper then. And I think like the connection always to food was the person behind the food. I mean, Food Network learned that lesson immediately. Like it wasn't just that the chef could cook, it was that this chef had a personality and could tell a story. Cooking shows are all about telling stories. It's not necessarily about the dish. Like I give the example of when we'd produce brunch at Bobby's with Bobby. Like, okay, we'd have this dish, but like if you just sat there and cracked eggs and whisked, what show is that? Instead, like the way to, the way we produce that show would be like, okay, so Bobby's making, I don't know, waffles or strawberry waffles. So he'd be starting making it like our our nosa and be like, hey Bobby, tell us a story about waffles. Yeah. Or like he'd use some ingredient. Hey Bobby, tell us a story about that ingredient. And he would just dive into some story about when he was, you know, on the beach of Italy. I don't know, whatever the yeah, hell yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like that's Something the show. To to, yeah, 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 yeah. The show is the stories, not just the completion of the dish. So I think like. It's hard to do that in minutes. So even having the three to five minutes on IGTV is really powerful to get to something more, to show more personality, to really connect to your audience, which I think is the most important thing you can do. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a true talent to do that. I was working on, uh, now I think Food Network has an app, and then they have like any other shows. So, you know, with Bobby Flay or uh, Guy Fieri, any dish they ever eat, now they're having these other chefs kind of like cook it, you know, actually oh. break it down, recipe do it for you and while we're on those shoots you got the producer the director saying like okay yeah tell me about like christmas you know because they were doing a christmas cookie challenge thing right. or whatever and they're like let's talk about christmas like who's you know bacon yep, you yep, know. Yep. that's that's it that's yeah it. <laughs> that's how you produce cooking shows yes. yell at them to tell a story <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, yeah and but then you, you do that and some of them got it some of them don't and uh -huh. you just gotta then edit around it and probably then not hire them again <laughs> right yeah 
but um, so I mean, what are you what what goes into choosing? This is a story. This is the feed. This is Instagram TV. Is it then just length, or is it like? Um, you know? I start with everything is going to be IGTV, and then work my way down from there. Gotcha. Because uh, that takes the most work, and everything goes into that. So mm-hmm. and then just like everything, it's just like surround itself. So okay, if I'm on a shoot for when I'm shooting for IGTV. Here's the behind the scenes on stories. Here's a little preview on stories. There's something else I tried at the restaurant that wasn't gonna be part of the video. And all that stuff is extra, where like it's all the most curated stuff inside GTV, so. And from a technical side, I mean, what uh, what are we filming with, like camera-wise? And then even obviously like TV, you can go wide versus, you know, stories, it's the vertical. Yeah. I mean, as, as someone that works in production, did that kind of, that was something that took me getting used to. I'm like, video's meant to be, you know, like. <laughs> it's hard, especially like, especially when I hire people. I, I very rarely hire people just because like, I don't have the money to do that, honestly. Sure. But yeah, like, yeah. if I get a budget and I can do something, it's very hard to explain to someone where like, all those beautiful shots you think that you, that, that you would always shoot. Yeah. Don't work on IGTV and you're going to fuck my shot if you try and shoot it that way. Like my approach, because I have to cut it for YouTube also, mm-hmm. I just shoot everything super wide and in 4K. Yeah. And then I'm able to pretty much find all my crops everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you get that tight, beautiful panning shot, guess what? None of that's fitting on the IGTV screen and it's unusable. And to explain to someone who's been shooting for 20 years that their instincts are wrong is really hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for that format where you're just going that, you know, the lengthwise of the phone, like up and down, like almost like if, I mean, if they're shooting on a, you know, a DSLR or what whatever, it would be, I feel like maybe those cameras need to start putting like bars, you know, for the... It'd be helpful. I mean, what's hard is, so, I mean, that's the hardest part of how, when I shoot is like, obviously like you're shooting 16 by nine or whatever technically is, but 16 by nine wide. In that one shot, I have to see, okay, where's my shot that I'm gonna get from my YouTube, which is wide? Where's my shot that I'm gonna get for Instagram that's nine by 16, so the complete opposite? And also, the first one minute that goes on the feed in that nine by 16 cut is this weird four by five middle of the shot. So I have to make sure that whatever the main thing is, is I have that shot of it. So I'm looking at, I'm when I'm seeing the shot, and again, filming by myself too, but when I'm setting up the shot, I need to make sure that what I'm shooting is going to fit in all three cuts. Yeah. In all three crops, which sucks. <laughs> when you step into a place, like what, what do you have like a checklist of this is what I need to, in this order, this is what I'm grabbing? Like, how do you, because also at the same time, you're trying to enjoy a meal. Like, where, where do you, how oh, do you find that? No, no, no. I'm not trying to enjoy a meal. That, okay. That, that one is purely, <laughs> that is gone. your, yeah. Like, when I set up my stuff very much as if I was going to go shoot it for a TV show, I we're chatting with the restaurant, it's all set up. I'm coming in probably when they're closed or at least very, very quiet. Yeah. I have all my gear with me. I'm not sitting there for a meal. I'm in the kitchen filming, getting the full process, going in front of house, getting beauties, tasting on camera, getting everything else and getting the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I want to enjoy it, I'll go back. You'll go back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then when it comes to you, you, like going out to a meal with friends, like are you just, you're just there and you're enjoying it or are you still like, I mean, you're grabbing a picture. I'll get stories just yeah. because like, I don't know, it's yeah. fun. Like it's a, at the end of the day, it's like what I enjoy doing. So yeah. I like taking photos. Actually, it actually sucks that I don't take photos anymore because I'm pretty much all IGTV focused. Okay. Where like I kind of miss taking photos. Like I was editing, I usually take a couple photos just to have some extra stories or have a cover photo or whatever. Yeah. And I kind of like miss editing photos, which I thought I would never do, but it is like a very like, 
when you start editing, just like it's there's not a lot to worry about. Just like, oh, you're in your own head editing photos where like editing video is very different. You have to really be focusing on every little last thing or photos, especially just, just combing through the photos and whatever. Like there's a lot of process to it. I kind of miss just shooting and editing <laughs> and being done with it. <laughs> so as far as like a tip and just what you think is, you know, makes your account more successful, would you say overall it's just like sheer amount? I mean, obviously it has to be good, but sheer amount of content, just putting stuff out there? Um, a little bit. I think it's more of just how to be different always okay. and trying to take advantage of that. I think from the beginning, like I said, it was beginning, it was okay brunch. And then when videos went from 15 seconds to a minute, I was like, oh, I can do real videos. And at the end of the day, I, like I just said, I missed taking photos. But at the end of the day, I love producing more than anything. So it's like, oh, I could keep, if, if videos weren't a thing on Instagram, I inevitably would have gone back to TV just because I would have missed producing something. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're a storyteller. Right. So I was like, uh, when I was able to do videos, oh, great. And then we jump on videos. And I was one of the first people to take advantage of videos. That's when I crushed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing with IGTV. Like, second IGTV went to the feed, I just, I, I knew it. And it, all the IGTVs do so much better. As, as much data as everyone has at IGTV isn't super successful in the scheme of things. In terms of my account, IGTVs do two to three times better. Mm. Oh, right. maybe they're not watching 100% of it but I'm at least capturing them for enough time and they can stick and I always produce my videos where a view counts for four seconds so I want to produce my videos where if you are someone that scrolls very very quickly on Instagram and you just want to see like a little bit of food action and get that satiation right here's the first four seconds of something really cool watch it give me the view if you want to move on give me the like move on that's okay if you want to dig deeper, I'm going to give you something to dig deeper into. So then within that first minute on the feed, here's a little bit of a preview, here's a little bit of a teaser, maybe start getting into the process a little bit, maybe see enough of the process, great. You could have walked away after a minute and be like, oh, I kind of saw how the dish was coming together, I know what the restaurant is, I got a little bit of information, cool, great. If you really want to stick around and see the tasting and learn something even more, watch for the next three to five minutes. So I, I try and hit it every length, yeah. so people are like, I want to make sure that maybe they don't want to watch a full video, but I give it to them enough. And if you do, here's more stuff. I like that balance of it. Yeah, you give the options for the different types of viewers that are out right, there. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you've got over, what, 500,000 followers now, right? Or well, it kind of... Well, I mean, you over did... Over 450. Over 450. No, I mean, you, I mean, I'm not trying to bring up anything sore. Like, sore, but, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, like, you know, I mean, you even did post that video saying about, like, how many followers, like... Be, that you'll like lose a day but obviously then you, you, you gain it back yeah like, I mean, what does that what does that do to you because i mean we do live in this culture of likes and follows uh -huh. and, yeah i mean i think that i it's easy for me to say this because i have so many followers but to me like i'd rather someone unfollow me than not want to engage if they're just scrolling and they don't necessarily want to follow me anymore but like whatever and they just scroll past everything i do it actively hurts my account if you just unfollow me, that means the next, basically at the end of the day, Instagram's algorithm is always guessing at who wants to see this content and if they're gonna like this content. So when you post something, it usually, first thing it does is it takes the people that thinks are gonna be most engaged and pushes your content to them. If those people like it at a nice rate, then Instagram goes to next and next and next and next and then explore and then hashtags and all these things and keeps pushing, pushing, pushing based on how many people that things are going to engage engage with it. So if it's gonna send this thing to people and these people don't engage with it, it actively hurts me. So if people see my content and they unfollow it, I'm like, oh, 
great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> cool. You're that's much better than someone that just passively sees my content. That hurts it. Yeah. If you make a decision like, all right, well, I, don't, I don't care about this anymore. Okay, great. Bye. <laughs> great. I'm, I I wish I could just have them all gone in one day, so I wouldn't have to keep looking at numbers every day. <laughs> if just one day drop yeah. and then forever no one else unfollows me, that would be great. But unfortunately, it's not the way it works. It's almost consistent for five years that like a hundred to two hundred people unfollow me every single day. Yeah. You net gain, but every day almost on the dot, which is really, it's, it's very weird, weird how yeah. it works. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's almost like, did they just start following me, then go like, eh, no longer? Or has it been someone for a while? Well, it, just, it is you know. interesting that the more viral my videos go, the more people unfollow me, which <laughs> makes sense because, again, going back to the way the algorithm works, it keeps, it keeps guessing, 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 guessing. So I have a video that's outpacing a lot of my other videos. It's going to start showing up to people that maybe they followed me three years ago and they haven't seen my content in three months because they haven't scrolled far enough into their feed. Yeah. Where now Instagram has pushed my video higher up in their feed. And they're like, oh, Brunch Boys. Oh, yeah, I followed this three years ago. I don't know why I follow this anymore. Unfollow. So it is interesting. Like The more viral your stuff goes, the more followers you lose. <laughs> it's, it's a whole world that, like, I mean, I, I, I definitely participate in because of this podcast. Like, if I, if I didn't have this, I'd probably would just post like, you know, if I go out and it's a good meal, I would post like a photo, maybe a, a video of just like saying like, oh, I, you know, really enjoyed this meal. Check it yeah. out, guys. But it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, we were saying how many, I mean, Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so many outlets and it just, I, yeah, <laughs> it's nonstop. I just wanted to stop there. I don't need any more stupid platforms. <laughs> I'm not sure to worry about. <laughs> well, you were uh, you were just you did a big trip to Japan recently, right? Yes, I was in Japan in spring. Yeah, mm -hmm. what was that like? I still have never greatest been... greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, high the most highest recommendations. Absolutely. How long were you there for? Seventeen days. Wow. <laughs> what did, I mean, yeah. Where where'd you go? Did you so see? it was it was a sponsored trip, oh, which cool. is why when people were like, "Oh, I don't like ads on Instagram," I'm like all you dummies, listen, I get messages every. I went in the spring. I produced almost 20 videos every single day I get messages still to this day I get messages we're almost a year later I get messages about my Japan trip either someone just finding it and loving it or they're literally in Japan and being like look I'm eating this because of your videos isn't that such a great feeling right it's I awesome. mean, the answer, yeah. that's what I tell people I'm like that is as much as like the word influencer is weird I'm like that is actually influencing people yeah, yeah. And I think like having a lot of followers and getting a lot of likes doesn't necessarily mean you influence people yeah. Like when I look at the saves and I look at people tagging me in the stories and me eating something that I ate 10 months ago, I'm like, that's actually influencing people to take action. But anyway, but I give that example all the time of like, you guys loved this content so much that you talk to me about it every single day, yet people are like, oh, ads, weird, who cares? I'm like, no, but like, I was given a budget to go produce really cool stuff. Yeah. That should you should be excited when I have money behind it because then I get to go to Japan for 17 days and produce all these videos. Guess what? I can't afford that on my own. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so part, what was nice, so I went on upon Airways, so they were the people behind it. So as nice was they not only wanted me to talk about obviously going to Japan for America, but they fly domestically in Japan. So they, they really pushed me to go to smaller cities, which I loved because I think the first time going to Japan, you could just, I mean, you could spend uh, forever in Tokyo and never finish up. But it sort of forced me to experience smaller cities that I wouldn't have done the first time. So we flew into Tokyo. Um, I went with my friend uh, at What Could Be Butter. Um, flew into Tokyo, spent a couple of days there, and then we flew south. Um, and we went to Fukuoka, which is the ramen capital of the world. Um, 
went to Hiroshima, which I absolutely loved. It's beautiful. Um, and then we went to Osaka, Kyoto, and then back to Tokyo for a few days. Wow. I mean, that's why the trip started getting bigger and bigger. For, they want, the airline, Omaha Airways was like, um, stay for a minimum 10 days. And we we're like, yeah, of course we can do more than yeah, like 10 exactly. days. Like yeah, we're yeah, there, yeah. flying to Japan. <laughs> but then we, and we're like, oh, probably two weeks. And then we started planning out a trip and we're like, we got 17 days. So it's nice that she is an influencer in LA and has social clients. So like, she's not tied down to a schedule either. So both of us were just like, well, no reason for us to ever go home. Let's just extend this trip as long as we can. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, okay, maybe it's 17 days. That's enough. <laughs> At this point, is it pretty much like as far as, you know, content, is it people reaching out to you? Or are you still reaching out to certain people? Uh, it's almost all people reaching out to me. Only yeah. because I get just flooded. It's like uh, to take the time to research places to go. Like it depends when I travel. I do a lot of research. Like I'm going to Boston this week. Obviously, like Boston people don't know I'm coming there, so they're not just organically going to be reaching out to me. So I did a lot of research and picked out stuff and had to like DM and email and set up yeah. all these things. Um, in New York, just so much of people emailing me is hard. But even like I went to get brunch at a place called Golden Diner a few weeks ago just to go with my friends and enjoy it. And it was supposed to be amazing. Everyone said hi, hi praise whatever and I was just like blown away and I was like oh I gotta film with these dudes so like DM them <laughs> that day I'm like could I come back and film a real video so I'm gonna go I'm doing that tomorrow uh, go back and like film a real video with them <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I asked you you know like I think it was yesterday give me some of your favorite films it wouldn't be foodie films well just uh, to let you know this all kind of started as I would talk food centric movies because I love the world of film and I love the world of food so that's what it was but then about this time last year I had Pat LaFried on uh, and I was like what movie do I talk about with him like, what, why, what, why am I pigeonholing myself I just want to talk to him about him <laughs> right and, then, and so I started making these episodes called First Cut so that's what like this you know this episode okay. will be but so actually from a mark from obviously a professional from a marketing standpoint what do you think like I mean I, I'm even judging like do I keep the moniker of foodie films I mean you're brunch boys but you're covering more than brunch yeah know. i always like i was the example i'm like i'm or even just food in general i'm like i'm food focused yeah which means like that that one word i'm like that means i could do anything i want <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, maybe it's 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 a sort of film foodie film focus but like not really it could be anything yeah but brunch too i'm like brunch is everything who cares yeah yeah <laughs> but i so, so i still like bringing up even on these first cut episodes uh food scenes from movies because it's just food is just that it's in our culture it's ingrained uh, in so many films even if they're not food centric movies have food scenes so you gave me some of your favorite movies and I uh, decided to go with Citizen Kane as the first one I mean uh, I, I kind of <laughs> I, I laughed a little bit do you watch are you a, a, an office fan mm -hmm. I, it's the, I think it's Michael's nephew starts working and he's just like he's like yeah I'm Studying film. Oh, of course. My, my favorite oh, films know. are Citizen Kane and Boondock Saints. <laughs> right. No, I know. It's like, and also on my full list, I like having the spectrum. Like if, yeah. you, if, if you go through the list, essentially, it's wildly all over the place. And I feel weird saying even Citizen Kane, but I like, I'm staring at my movies right now. When I think of my, because I, I looked to remind myself of what yeah. I should give you, and that's why I still love it. But I, when I think about the movies, my favorite movies, I think about the movies that if I'm homesick, what movie will I turn on? Sure. And yeah. that's what I think about. I'm still just enthralled by Citizen Kane every time I watch it. So, Def I mean, it's arguably like the most it's important the best movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, the best movie. It, you're an influencer. It's inf That movie is influential. It was groundbreaking. Everything. Yeah. yeah, everything. So uh, let's play the, it's like the breakfast montage. We'll play that and then we'll talk it. You're beautiful. Oh, I can't. Yes, you are. You're very, very beautiful. I've never been to six bodies in my life. Extremely beautiful. Oh, I'm even 
been up this late? It's a matter of habit. I wonder what the servants will think. They'll think we enjoyed ourselves. Yes. Didn't we? I don't see why you have to go straight after the newspaper. You never should have married a newspaper man. They're worse than sailors. I absolutely adore you. Oh, Charles, even newspaper men have to sleep. I'll call Mr. Bernstein, have him put off my appointments until noon. What time is it? Well, I don't know. It's late. It's early. Charles, do you know how long you kept me waiting last night while you went to the newspaper for ten minutes? What do you do in a newspaper in the middle of the night? Emily, my dear, your only correspondent is the Inquirer. Sometimes I think I'd prefer a rival of flesh and blood. Oh, Emily, I don't spend that much time on the newspaper. It isn't just the time. It's what you print, attacking the president. You mean Uncle John? I mean the president of the United States. He's still Uncle John. He's still a well-meaning fathead who's John. letting a pack of high-pressure crooks run his administration. This whole oil scandal... He happens to be the president, Charles, not you. That's a mistake that will be corrected one of these days. Your Mr. Bernstein sent Junior the most incredible atrocity yesterday, Charles. I simply can't have it in the nursery. Mr. Bernstein is apt to pay a visit to the nursery now and then. Does he have to? Yes. Really, Charles? People will think... What I tell them to think. <laughs> I mean, number one, I think this is like one of the earliest movies as far as even montages go. You know, that word is just like in our lexicon now, as far, especially towards like film language. But back then, that was like a big deal to show the passage of time via uh, montage. I mean, what what is it about Citizen Kane? I mean, there's the obvious reasons. And then, you know, Citizen Kane in general. And then this scene, like, what is it that you love about it? I mean, I the fact it's it's almost more of like an Orson Welles thing than even Citizen Kane. Oh, it's he's just it's just yeah. how influential he was to everything. And like you could watch, there's so many. Even if you put on a movie from the '80s with our ADD, listen, I have ADD. It's very bad, and like our whole generation is ADD. You could put on a movie from the '80s, and be like, oh my god, this is so slow. I can't watch this. Uh -huh. Where Citizen Kane, which is what a hundred years old now, not you know whatever it is, 80, 90 years old. You could put on the movie and, like, you don't feel that way. Yeah. It was generations ahead of just the speed and what's happening and the camera movements and from a technical standpoint and a creative standpoint and, and everything. And what I, what I love the most about why those things are is that Orson Welles didn't have any preconceived notions of what movies were supposed to be. So he just shot it and did things based purely on instinct mm -hmm. yeah. and he ended up inventing all these things that directors use for generations just because he didn't know what the rules were so when you don't know what the rules are there are no rules yeah and i thought that was the coolest thing about how that movie came together yeah it, it, it tr truly is just i mean such a game-changing film and one of those i mean he's just one of those filmmakers that just inspired i mean obviously by now it's thousands of other uh, filmmakers everybody. and just has changed the scope of cinema and I love I love this scene in particular. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a food scene, but it's not. I mean, it's not. But it's not centralized on the food. It's about just like showing them his, you know, his and his wife's relationship, and just like breakfast and kind of the catching up you do in the morning. Uh, in the beginning, he's just so lovely. romantic uh -huh. and loving. And by the end, it's just the last one is just silent. They're just <laughs> sitting there. But even then, they're arguing politics and uh -huh. you know just all of that. And it's just all over breakfast. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
And uh, for for a good fare of juxtaposition, uh, I, I decided let's go with Step Brothers. Uh-huh. I think this scene, I don't. I think it's from the extended cut, the fancy sauce, right? Is that in like the like it's a, there's a longer. You know, I watch it so much on TV. Maybe yeah. it is like that's a movie where like it airs all the time on TV. All like, the time. I'm yeah. flipping channels. I will stop and watch it, even though I've seen it hundreds of times. It's just so quotable. <laughs> as far as I mean, Will, Will Ferrell movies in general uh-huh. are just quotable. But it's funny is it's one of those movies where the first time I watched it, I was like, this is fine. And it took like, I don't know why you can watch it again. And I watched it again. I was like, no, I love this. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, it definitely has like, I mean, I, I the first time I watched it, I was definitely, I was cracking up. I mean, I was sold on the Will Ferrell, like Adam McKay team. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, then John C. Riley is just like, they're, I mean, they already had that magic together on um, Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. And then you bring them together and you have, but I, I definitely feel like probably from maybe a little bit, like people a little bit older than us. Probably, probably up to the age of like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley because it would be funny for people that age to be seeing it. But like anything older than that, it's like this is like my parents probably watching it would be like this is stupid. Like they're just like you're grown ups, act like grown ups. But it's just hilarious to see. I mean, I think the general concept that was just like let's take the story of two boys becoming stepbrothers, but have it being played by men in their early to mid forties. <laughs> And the fancy sauce scene. I mean, we'll, we'll just play a little bit of that. Adele, I don't know if you... You might want to try this. I make a sauce, we call it fancy sauce. Mm, for me. That um, Brennan really likes with his chicken nuggets. It's my fancy sauce. Well, when Brennan finishes, um, I'll give you some of this. And it's, it's ketchup and mayonnaise mixed together. So, mm, so good. I want some fancy sauce. Yeah. I'm not done using it. It's good. Can I have fancy sauce? Of course. <laughs> of no, course. I'm, I'm using it right now. Okay. So let's just... Want to try it, too? Let's just let him try some. Yeah, I really would like some. Just one last spoonful. I think you've got, got enough there, Brennan. So here you go. Thanks. It's uh, ketchup and mayonnaise. Ugh. Uh-uh. I don't like it. It smells weird. Okay. I'll try some. You want some? Sure, absolutely. Okay. You don't mind, do you, Brennan? Yeah. Okay. That scene is just totally playing into like the the youth and just imagining like two young kids. But again, we have these middle aged <laughs> men. Uh, and um, oh god, why am I totally blanking on Ted Danson's wife right now from that from that movie? Mary Steam Steamberger. Uh, yeah. yeah, something like that. Steamberger uh-huh. is that how you pronounce her name? I have no idea. I, I I apologize something. to everyone that is a big. She's a great actress. But anyway, uh, she's like, yeah, like they're just trying. Her and Richard Jenkins are trying to get their sons to get along, and <laughs> they're just eating. I love the boys are like the grown-ups are eating fish, but the boys are eating their chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> And they uh, and they just and she has this fancy soft sauce that's uh, ketchup and mayo and <laughs> Brennan doesn't want to he just keeps scooping and putting on his plate. <laughs> it's just the the over the topness. I mean that's just such a simple scene. Uh, I mean the move. I mean even I mean there's a couple of food scenes in that I love. Even at the end, Dale is working for a catering business. Uh-huh, that, that's true. <laughs> there's a Bobby Flay shout out in the movie also. There is. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's his what's his real brother's name? Oh, um, eat shit, Derek. Yeah, that's how I remember. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So he's like talking about like his his weekend. He's like he was like marlin fishing with superstar chef Bobby Flay. <laughs> that's got to be such a weird. 
like just like experience that when you're at that level that your name is just becomes like a pop culture <laughs> reference of just like but in also in that situation it's like the douchey character is name dropping you so then you 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 imagine you're just enjoying a movie you're sitting there you're watching it like i'm sure like no one contacted him before right it was it's like probably just a throwaway line yeah also. Just throw, wasn't even in the probably, script. there was probably so many like those movies where they just you know ad lib and are just right. obviously improvising <laughs> so many lines like the fact yeah like fishing with deep sea fishing with Bobby Flay <laughs> superstar chef Bobby Flay that's gotta be that's gonna be just such a weird experience you're sitting there laughing and all of a sudden they say your name and you're like oh and then you just really start pondering like wait so in their mind am I like a douchey guy that's going fishing with this guy? <laughs> But those, I mean, like you said, like that for you, that was a movie that you know, couple of views. But then you're just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just then you're just hooked, and it's it's just. I, I think between, I think our generation grew up with some really great comedies. I mean, I love like Mel Brooks, uh-huh. and even you know, like then like Woody Allen, like the straight up like wacky comedies back in the '70s and everything like that. But um, our gener between the '90s with Jim Carrey. All, like any any person from like SNL of obviously Mike Myers mm-hmm. and uh, Chris yeah, Farley. Well, so it's funny is I did I've been doing a lot of Instagram lives. Yeah. Um, they don't get a ton of views, but I think it's the only time on Instagram where I can get people to really slow down and like talk with me. And I'm yeah. always I'm always just curious. I just want to create better connections with my audience. Like Nicole, like, oh, it's really funny. Is so I realized yesterday or a few days ago that you could like pin a comment, so when people tune in, they know exactly what's happening. Okay. So I literally just I've been doing it at my desk, drinking coffee, eating maybe breakfast, chatting with them. So I called it. I called it Coffee Talk. Ask me anything. In my brain, it's like Coffee Talk. Yeah, the Mike yeah. Myers. You're like <laughs> people will get this. Literally, people are logging on, and I kept getting those fucking questions about coffee. I'm like, why are they asking me a coffee? Who gives a shit? And it was like, oh my god, nobody understood my joke. That yeah. I'm, it's not Coffee Talk. It's Coffee Talk. And I was trying to explain it to them, and it was totally lost. It's totally. Lo- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious as far as uh, like Eddie Murphy just you know recently big return as hosted SNL. Hadn't been on. I mean, he did a little thing, I think, on their 40th anniversary, but not like a sketch. Uh-huh, just yeah. like spoke or something like that. Uh, but, you know, he did all of it a lot. So many of his classic characters. And I'm very curious how much of it was like lost on like a lot of the right. Because it's like no one like four years know ago. who Gumby is? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, l- well, last but not least, we have our segment Gut Instinct. So these are just questions that whatever comes to you first, uh, give us the answer. Okay. Favorite fast food? Bobby's Burger Palace. <laughs> Go-to alcoholic beverage? Tequila. Favorite childhood snack? Um, I was talking about this the other day. I, maybe a little older in childhood, but uh, Dipsy Doodles. Oh, yeah. And Dipsy Doodles over... Wait, are the, wait, which ones are Dipsy Doodles? Like the chips. It's like the rigid corn chips. Yeah, okay. I saw that. I was at the supermarket. I try and buy like healthy snacks on the supermarket. So like... But I was always curious. I was like, oh, God, Dave's Doodles be so good. I looked at the packaging. I was like, holy fuck. How did I put this in so much of this into my body when I was younger? Because it is terrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> but they taste damn good. We were, again, like our age group, kids of the 90s, like the snacks that were out there, just like endless <laughs> options. Yeah. Just yeah. Terrible. Not just good sugar. Sure. Just fat. things like gushers. <laughs> just right. Things that just, <laughs> the word sounds unhealthy. It's gushing. Um, sweet or savory? Savory. Favorite food, city, domestic, and abroad? Nothing's better than New York. Um, and um, we'll go Tokyo. 
Tokyo, yeah. Anywhere in Japan, but yeah. I mean, Tokyo is so big, and it's sort of like the New York thing, where it's just so gigantic. Like, of course, you're gonna have the best options of everything, yeah. and literally everything. Like, people like because there was 17 days, like we had the opportunity to try stuff. If you only had sushi three times, maybe four times wow. in all days, because yeah. I yeah. think like there's so much amazing food there to try, and like that was the exciting part. Like, what I miss the most is my egg salad sandos I ate every single day. We had some of the best pizza I've ever had in Japan. Wow, That's they awesome. really crush it. Yeah, yeah. And what was the what was the ramen capital again? Like oh, uh, 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 Fukuoka yeah. is the ramen capital. I, we didn't love the ramen we had there. Really? Okay. It's I mean, more, that's just a food that took like. I mean, what talk about like. I mean, I think it's more than a trend now, but like. right. Uh, we just, I think, it was just like we went to this one, like more maybe touristy spot to okay. get. Okay. Yeah. It. I, I don't think. I don't think it's a ramen overall bad there. I think we just made the wrong choice, and yeah. then we're also both of us just like weren't huge ramen people. Also, I mean, most of it just for me, especially because like we were eating so much every day. Like the last thing I wanted was like a gigantic bowl of ramen, which is what we'd end up getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it's more the ramen capital because they they have people with like taste ramen from all these different regions all there, which is cool. Did I, sweet, did I have sweet or savory yet? Yeah, I did, right? Savory. Yeah. Savory, yeah. Uh, favorite cuisine? Sushi. Guilty pleasure food? Um, Chinese food. Yeah. Ordered just like a bucket of everything from Han <laughs> Dynasty. Oh, so good. Favorite condiment? Um, hmm. Um... I don't know, maybe just some sort of mayonnaise something mm-hmm. flavored. <laughs> An aioli of sorts, maybe? Or? Yeah, an aioli, sure. Yeah, sure. Fancy mayonnaise. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing you ate? Um, I, I eat the same things every single day. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, so I ate, last meal was my post-workout meal, which is white rice, chicken, and broccoli. There you go. <laughs> what would be your last meal? Mmm... I think about what I crave. Oh, maybe an amazing omakase. I feel like go out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Dine in or dine out? I dine in way more than I dine out. Yeah? Yep. Yeah, people think it's the opposite. Like, no, like, again, because, like, when I go to restaurants, it's for shoots. Sure, yeah. I And because, like, I try and eat very healthy at home, I make almost everything. So, like, the days that I'm craving stuff, I just, like, order in and sit on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> What would be your spirit food? My spirit food? Yeah, what food? Oh, like, like what food embodies, embodies me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, um, maybe some sort of like Asian-inspired bagel. Okay. Because they have the Jewiness and you have whatever Asian-ness I love. <laughs> you go to the movies, what kind of snack we having? I, went to, I very rarely go to movies. I went to movies yesterday. Uh, just popcorn. Okay. I do want to try. Forget every time. Also, like how deep do I want to go into this? But people told me to buy like Reese's pieces and dump it into the popcorn. Yeah, you get the whole sweet savory. thing. And I'm like, fuck, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. It's a, I, I very rarely go to movies, like I said. But so I went to the movies yesterday. My friend Reina. And we go to get popcorn. Last time we went to movies, we got a medium and we shared. We didn't like sharing, so we were just like, well, let's get two smalls and like yeah, yeah, be yeah. fine. So I go up to him and I go, I'm like, could I get two smalls? And he goes, well, you know, if you just get the large, it's actually like 
cheaper than the two smalls. And we're like, well, how big is a large? It was a fucking bucket, like a 10-gallon bucket of popcorn. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't know how you do math, but I do not want a popcorn that big. Please, I will pay more. Please just give me the two small popcorns. Sizes at movie theaters just don't make sense. And they've gotten bigger like as we've gotten older. Like, it was literally just... popcorn for like a family of 20 that he wanted to sell us for less than two small popcorn. It was a garbage popcorn. bag of popcorn. It was. Yeah. I was like, please, yeah. I, I know I know you're trying to help, but I'm yeah. like, just give me the two small popcorns. <laughs> well, I was just I was having a I was having a burger last night. This uh, you know I, I live in Jersey City and there's a good spot uh, corkscrew bar and you know I was watching the the uh, 49ers Packers game and on their menu I was just like oh that doesn't make sense like they have their specialty burgers with you know the, or their specific burgers mm-hmm. like a barbecue one a breakfast one a Jersey one whatever and there was like more stuff on those burgers. But then I just wanted to build my own. I just wanted American cheese, bacon, like lettuce, tomato, onion. And for that combo, it was like thirteen fifty versus the special ones with more toppings were twelve dollars each. Right. And it's not like they're <laughs> and it's not like those burgers are pre made where it's saving them time and effort. That's why it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're great burgers. They use La Frida beef and it's really good burgers. But I'm just like, why is this one with less stuff on right. it more? Because I'm building my own. It's not I, if I went back there and I'm building well then it should even be less because I'm cooking. But anyway. Uh, last question. What's a great, if not the greatest lesson you've learned when it comes to food? Oh, um, I think it's the, I think what I always say is it's, it's expectations and a care and thought that got it put into the food. I don't eat at very fancy, expensive restaurants, but I eat good food. And I think that was part of what I loved about our trip to Japan was I, I gave the example that Exile Santos, we went to the convenience store twice a day to eat food. There's, conven- there's five convenience stores on every single block in Japan. 7-Eleven, Lawson's, Family Mart, there are more. And in America, we have this conception of like convenience store food. Like, that's so weird. Why would you ever eat that? No, because the, guy, the way that they respect and treat food in Japan is it doesn't matter that it's a egg salad sando that ends up costing a dollar with the, with the rates or whatever. It's that if they are going to serve you something, it should be the highest quality, no matter if it's quote-unquote cheap or quote-unquote expensive. And I think like that idea and care that's put into food is super exciting to me so then i try to take that in america it's like okay maybe you don't think this is the greatest place ever because of some preconceived notion of what you have about it but like these people are putting such care into the into the food that it's amazing and it doesn't matter what the price level is it could be amazing on at every, on all ends of the spectrum it's a great lesson and that's just a good i mean obviously when you're traveling to just remember things like that that you know right i mean you know you have to be a little cautious because i'm traveling but at the same type of like i i try to i think it's lessons in the culture too and yeah. understanding like things might be weird to you but it's not weird here like we did a um we did a yakitori omakase and this was an expensive place we had a few very expensive meals um but part of the, it was a every part of the chicken every part of the chicken you get um plus uh raw chicken Ooh. And like that sounds weird and bad, yeah. but also you have to remember that one, there's no salmonella in Japan, oh, okay. <clears throat> so Didn't you're not know. at risk of getting sick. And two, everyone else eats it, and you're like, well, if everyone else eats it, I could try it. Yeah. Um, we were also at like a three, like a Michelin star omakase. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so yeah, in particular, yeah, 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 yeah. I was reading the surroundings, and I'm like, I feel <laughs> like I'd be fine. Yeah. But like, yeah. I wasn't. Did it taste good? <laughs> no. But like going back to my rule, like taste everything, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, um, and you're done. You're I over. think you like never... just like we got to experience it, and I walked away like, okay, that's very cool. We got to try this thing that you you can't eat in America. You can't eat raw chicken in America. Yeah. Well, you, we could, but <laughs> you would die. <laughs> well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on Foodie Films right now. Please tell the foodies out there where they can find you. 
Sure, there's so many places. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Brunch Boys, TikTok, and Brunch Boys, YouTube, and Brunch Boys. Uh, since you're on the podcast world, I have two podcasts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we didn't even talk about those. But that's okay. <laughs> one of them is one of them I'm most passionate about. No one's going to care about, but that's okay. One of them is called Brunch With, where I sit down with people of influence, and that happens like quarterly, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, I have a weekly podcast called Monday Night Pod Wrestling's War. That's all about the. Um, so remember, I used to work at WWE. Yeah, it's a deep nerd dive into the Monday Night Wars, which is the boom period of wrestling, which was the WWF versus WCW. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this isn't for you. If this piqued your interest at all. You will enjoy it. I have a couple of friends that are diehard wrestling fans, so they're, that's going to be right up there. Oh, it is. I, like even in the episodes, like we start talking, I'm like, oh my god, like, <laughs> like if you have no, if you even have like not even seventy five percent interest in this, like you're going to want to kill yourself listening to this. <laughs> it is for nerds and nerds only. <laughs> well, thank you again. Uh, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. It's there's more to cut, so if you don't mind saying that and remind the foodie fans. Sure, uh, there's more to cut. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy, and I feel like I'm loving you.